Let's open our Bibles and our minds and our hearts to the Scriptures this morning as Kathy DuPont reads them for us. The Scripture reading that's listed in the bulletin is not what we're going to read this morning. And Pastor Phil will explain why we are changing it up. We are going to be reading this morning from Lamentations, uh, chapter 3, verses 21 through 23, which is page 799 of your pew Bible. And our second reading will be Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, which is on page 1137 of your pew Bibles. So going to our first reading in Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 21 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Our second reading, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all of these, take the shield of faith with you, with which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times in every prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and always preserve in supplication for all the saints. This is the word of the Lord. I am going to set aside the planned sermon this morning and depart from the series we're in called Good News for People on the Fringes uh, because I I believe today calls for a different message. Uh, Good news for women, it's a good message. I've got it ready to go and uh, I'll preach it next week, I promise. Uh, But today I believe the Holy Spirit has led me to preach something else. And uh, this sense began to come to me on Friday after hearing about the shootings in Dallas and the killing of the five police officers, which has 
been the latest in what just seems a rapid chain of violent events the past couple of weeks in our nation and in our world. And it's all kind of created a spirit of anxiety. When we go to bed at night, we don't know what we're going to wake up to the next day now. We don't know what's going to happen next. What am I going to read about? What am I going to hear about now? It's like we have to brace ourselves for the next round of evil. And it isn't that violent or troublesome things haven't happened that call for attention on a Sunday morning. They have, but things have just been happening so fast and with such regularity that I think the national mood calls for a word. Uh, the terror attacks in, in, in Istanbul, Bangladesh, Medina, Baghdad, which obviously remind us of what happened in Paris and Brussels, uh, Orlando, Louisiana, Minnesota, Dallas. It's almost as if our nation is on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And it's like our world is just ready to come apart at the seams. I don't think we live our faith and always respond according to the headlines, but our faith also isn't lived in a cocoon from the world, and we don't stick our head in the sand and uh, divorce our faith from what's going on. We have a real-world faith that needs to be able to meet the joys and the pains of human existence. Many of the sermons actually preached address some of those things, uh, just not in an overt way. This morning, I'm going to be more overt. Our Christian faith is never to be lived out of touch with what goes on in the realities of our world, of our cities, of our homes, of our lives. What I have to preach this morning is not well thought out. I I, I give you that. It's not all neat and clean. Like you, I'm just struggling to understand. Um, Struggling to know how to respond, what to think. This isn't some well-put-together message, and I just trust that the wrestlings of my heart can be the word of the Lord for us this morning. I'm the shepherd of this congregation. I take very seriously uh, the responsibility to guide us in faith, to guide your faith, and um, faith is sometimes asking a lot of questions in the midst of uncertainty. And it's also providing hope in times of anxiety. I want to provide something that'll guide you, guide all of us through these times and this valley that we're currently walking in because we don't know what's going to happen next and it might go on for a while. I don't necessarily have all the answers, but hopefully do have some perspective. And this perspective is growing as I'm praying, as I'm reading the scriptures, as I'm trying to listen to God's spirit. God's spirit speaks to us. He speaks in events. He speaks in the word. He speaks through reflection. He speaks through other voices, even in the turmoil. The Holy Spirit speaks through many avenues. I hope you're listening for him in your own life. I'm not interested in addressing the politics or the social scene of the day. Others do that much better than I do. What I'm trying to discern is how do I, how do we respond right now as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ amidst all that's happening? How do we respond as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ amidst all that's happening? 
Some of this might sound rather random. I pray for the Holy Spirit to put it together in our hearts. Paul writes in Ephesians that the proper stance for the Christian in all of life, but particularly in the face of what he calls this dark world, is to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That we are to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. First, we are to be strong in the Lord. And I hope whatever you're facing in your own personal life and what we're all facing in this world, that you are grounding yourself in the Lord. And I hope that you're grabbing your Bible. And you're going to your prayer place each day and nurturing your faith and strength in the Lord because no one's going to do it for you. I think of the words of Psalm 16, 8. I've set the Lord before me. I keep my eyes on the Lord because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. Keeping our eyes on the Lord, that's our stability. We nourish our hearts. We nourish our minds in him every day. So I hope your life is grounded in him right now. Second, we need to stand. Paul said when the day of evil comes, and day doesn't just mean a 24-hour period, it means a season. Um, When the day or season of evil strikes, and I think we're in that season now, we need to stand our ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then. He mentions stand four times. I'm struck by that. It is against the devil's schemes that we are to stand. Now, the devil and the power of the dark world are behind police brutality and attacks on police and terrorist attacks. Don't ignore the darkness. It is alive and it is well in human hearts and structures of our world, but that doesn't mean to over-spiritualize everything either. We can't just hide behind that reasoning and ignore the flesh and blood ways that evil manifests itself. But stand is the word he uses, not fall, not faint, but stand and stand firm. Where are your feet planted? How are you going to stand in this time or any other time? The armor of God that we're told to put on are things like truth and righteousness and peace and faith and salvation, the word of God, prayer. Uh, After Orlando a couple of weeks ago, there was a segment of our society who began to put down and mock references to prayer. Now, I totally agree that you just just saying, well, we will pray and then you're not going to do anything else isn't going to cut it, but those comments expose an ignorance about prayer because prayer is also action. You better believe we need to be taking action in our relationships and in the structures and the institutions of our world, but never think prayer is not enough or that it isn't even the driving part of everything else that has to happen because... Second Corinthians, Paul says, though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. 
The Christian doesn't fight by posting angry and attacking comments on social media. That's what the world does. The Christian doesn't look first to pick up the sword. The Christian doesn't look first to to hit and maim and insult and kill, whether with guns or with words. Did Jesus do any of that? Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation, the word of the Lord, prayer are among our arsenal. We might march too. We might demonstrate too. We might speak out and certainly use our hands and our hearts to reconcile and to heal. But the weapons of our warfare are not of this world. See, here's what we don't know. Here's what we don't know. We don't know how much chaos and evil we are spared because the saints are praying. We don't know what darkness and rage of evil would hit us in our world if the church would stop praying. And we don't know how much bad stuff might strike because we don't care to pray. It's a battle. You can't always see everything in a battle. You don't see everything in a battle. You don't see everything clearly. You don't always know what's happening on other fronts. You don't know what's going on. You just rely on what you know, and what we know comes from God. And it is so easy. I'm with you. It is so easy to be overcome by just all the evil and the rage and the violence. And it is easy and natural to wonder where God is when people are using themselves for bombs and they want to kill as many people as they can with them. And where's the protection? Where in this chaotic, massive bloodshed, I I, I wonder, where is your love, God, when I see all this wreckage, and particularly like we've seen the past couple of weeks? But, you know, I, I remember something that uh, Thomas Merton wrote. This is where he planted his feet. This is where he took a, his stand. I think he's right. It is only the infinite mercy and love of God that has prevented us from tearing ourselves to pieces and destroying his entire creation long ago. People seem to think that it is in some way a proof that no merciful God exists if we have so many wars. On the contrary, consider how in spite of centuries of sin and greed and lust and cruelty and hatred and avarice and oppression and injustice spawned and bred by the free wills of men and women, that the human race can still recover each time and can still produce men and women who overcome evil with good, hatred with love, greed with charity, lust and cruelty with sanctity. How could all this be possible without the merciful love of God pouring out his grace upon us? How does it happen that in the thousands of generations of murderers since Cain that some of us can still be saints? The quietness and hiddenness and placidity of the truly good people in the world all proclaim the glory of God. I don't always do it well, and I don't even know exactly how it works. But I know that fear is to be met with faith. Again and again, we hear that word in the Bible, do not fear, do not fear, do not fear. And the reason that's said is because someone was afraid. It's okay to be afraid. And it's also okay to 
to ask God, like those disciples in the boat in the storm, Lord, don't you care? Don't you give a rip? But fear is to be met with faith, and people of Jesus need faith. And that is the one thing, among others, but one thing I know that we have to give to a dark world in a dark time. And our faith isn't in our ability to have faith, it's our faith in God. And I'm putting all my money, which is to say all my trust, all my direction, all my hope in the Lord. And I know this, when Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, stood amidst the absolute wreckage and violence and horror of Jerusalem in his day, and he said it just took all the happiness, it took all the peace out of him, he said, I'm just bitter. He also said this, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. That's a place to stand. Providence is the faith conviction that God upholds this world. That's what providence is, that he is sustaining for, that he is caring for this world. Psalm 75, verse 3, when the earth and all its peoples quake, it is I, God says, who hold its pillars firm. I still believe God is provident in a world gone mad. That doesn't mean that everything bad will eventually turn out okay. It won't. Alzheimer's, war, cancer, uh, mass shootings, bombings of airports are not going to turn out okay. They stink. But to say that God is provident is to believe that there is a saving possibility in every situation. And that the goodness of God can come in all situations. Because God is here and working even now, even in madness. And believing that can also help someone reconcile that there can be a loving God in a hellish world. And I'm reminded that God came into this world himself in Jesus. He came into this mess. He wasn't immune from the suffering, he wasn't immune from the evil, and he wasn't immune from the violence. In fact, one of the first events of his life, our Lord's life, when he was an infant, was the mass slaughter in a matter of hours of hundreds of infants, just like him. And he was a target. And his parents had to take him and flee. Do you think they had some anxiety? He was in no way immune from the violence. Evil reared its ugly head as soon as God came into this world with his love in Christ. And I think of all the victims of the sudden police shootings and victims of mass shootings and others whose lives were taken unjustly. And I remember that Jesus' life ended unjustly. And he was beaten and killed. And God came into this world not because it was all right. He came because it's a mess. And if it was his eternal plan to meet this world in Jesus Christ, then he probably also knew what was to come right into the 21st century in our times and beyond. He knows what is yet to come. And he was here, and through his spirit and through his people, he is still here. And we are his people. Our role is not to save the world. 
But Jesus did say, shine as lights, be salt. And there are more than, more than ever, there are people around us every day that need love, humility, gentleness, compassion. They need confidence and faith. They need hope. They need patient endurance, gentleness. Did I say that? We are charged to be Christ's people right now in this world with all its chaos, with all, it, all its hurts. It matters how we live, so be light and be salt in this world. We need to be alert. We need to be, as Jesus said, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Because we're all a little anxious. But remember, remember, the faithfulness of God. Tough times are always here, and they come and they go. Those seasons pass. God remains the same. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So be strong in the Lord. Stand firm. And stand firm. We're going to come to this table where the life of our Lord Jesus awaits us. This is where we renew our faith. We remember who we are, who God is, who we belong to. We remember the faith we proclaim and live in. We remember who loves us and who holds us. And we proclaim the kingdom of God. We're going to sing. As a matter of fact, musicians, you can come on up. And then we're going to pray. And Maybe you need to pray today for the families of those who have been killed or for those officers or for the family of the man who shot them or for the families of recent victims of shooting. Or maybe we need to pray for African Americans or gay and lesbian people, Muslims. Or maybe we may need to pray for conservatives or for liberals. Or maybe you'll be led to pray for ourselves, for our fear, for anxiety, for our faith, for our anger. We may need to pray for our leaders and those who have power to make certain decisions that can certainly help. We may need to pray for our hearts and in our fear, our confusion. We might need to just pray for our own strength in the Lord, for our responses when that moment comes when God asks us to be something and do something for him and where we're going to stand. For our courage, for our heart, for our faith. Let's stand and let's get ready to come to the table, sing and pray.